You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Did you guys know what the Memphis Grizzlies record is without John Morant this year? The Grizzlies survived 43 from Kyrie last night, 35 from Kevin Durant, beat the Nets, and John Morant wasn't in the lineup. They're 15-2 and without John Morant in the lineup. That doesn't seem possible. Is that a great thing? Boy, that team, they can pick it up when he's not in there, or it feels like it might be a slight that they're 15-2 and without him. Yes, Eden. I don't know about for the Grizzlies, but that sure doesn't seem like a great thing for the Nets. <laughs> well, the Nets got their good news because uh, New York City, the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for athletes is going to be lifted today. I don't know how you're going to celebrate, but uh, Kyrie didn't want to hear anything about this. Here's Kyrie after the loss being asked about that mandate. I'm not asking me any questions about hypotheticals, about what's going to happen. Please do not. Until anything gets official, please not ask me any questions about that, y'all. Okay. I understand that. He's saying let's wait until it's official. But you got Kyrie in Memphis, and you guys ended up losing. But now Kyrie gets to play. And he is well-rested. Like, he's not even coming off an injury. Because normally you'll get, like, Kawhi Leonard is has been injured. And now, you know, Kyrie's been playing, you know, 50% of the minutes there. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow, Sweet 16 tonight, Arkansas-Gonzaga, Michigan-Villanova, Texas Tech-Duke, Houston in Arizona. I saw where Matt Corral had his pro day, and of course he had a great pro day. Who, you know, I'm waiting for Sam Howell to have his pro day, and people are going to be gushing over him, but, you know, Matt Corral, man, he showed some, uh, scrambling ability. Who scrambles during during your pro day? Like, were there ball boys chasing him? Was there a, was there an actual lion on the field chasing him? But we're making a big man. Matt Corral showed some mobility there. Do these guys watch these guys during the year? Uh, I know Chris Sims does. Pro Football Talk Live co-host. Good to have you on, Chris. Let's uh, start with your immediate reaction when you heard the Chiefs let Tyreek Hill go to the Dolphins. Well, shocked. I think shocked and sad. All right. I think a little bit of both. I mean, Ooh. shocked because it was just like, wow, it all happened so fast. Wait, there's rumors that he might be traded. They allowed him to seek a trade. Wait, all of a sudden it was, wait, it's down to the Dolphins and Jets in no time. And then boom, it happened. So that was the shocking part. Sad because, hey, this is one of the, it's been one of the greatest combinations in the history of football and unique at that. I mean, again, it's, it's a, a young quarterback in Mahomes who took the league by storm with Tyree kill. Who's, you know, one of the fastest people we've ever seen in an offense and a, and a plan of attack that was new that we had never seen to football. Hey, just, you know, run 70 yards that way, run 50 yards that way, run 40 yards that way, stop and then run 40 yards the <laughs> other way. We never saw anything like that. So that's where I'm, sad because yeah I, I think it will go down as one of the more fun you know greatest duos or combinations we've ever seen in the nfl okay can you make a case for the chiefs in this situation I can make a case for the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs, first off, very well-run organization. You look at their football team, 
They're not big into giving second contracts to guys who are at 30 or getting above. Travis Kelsey is about the only guy you can think of there. How many guys can you pay towards the top of the market on your football team? You know, again, last week, everybody's mad at Aaron Rodgers because he took all the money. But then with Kansas City, it's like, well, hey, they got Mahomes. They're paying top market dollar. Chris Jones is being paid top market dollar. Kelsey's being paid top market dollar. Orlando Brown, who they traded for last year, he's a franchise left tackle. They're going to have to pay him top market dollar. So this is one I think they looked at, age 28. All right. Um, you're getting close to 30, maybe dropped a little speed this past year. We can't pay you $28 million a year. We got to move on and do something better for the team. And I, I, I don't fault them for that with the amount of money he was asking for. Give me the quarterback under the most pressure this upcoming season. Out of those two, you mean Mahomes and Tua? No, there? I, you can throw oh. everybody into the pool here. You can throw Rodgers in there, Russell Wilson. You can throw Derek Carr in there. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, I look at first off with like, you know, Mahomes, I know everybody looks at it. I think Mah- I think first off Tyree Kill is a better receiver than Devontae Adams. I do. So, but I also look at that and go, I don't know. It didn't well, wait, change what, what, my th- what makes him better than Devontae Adams? Um you know, the fact that he can basically score from any part of the field, okay. you know, whether it's a reverse, a toss sweep, a slant route, you know, oh, there's, you know, 20 seconds left in the game. We're going to throw you a 20-yard in cut, and then can you run by the rest of the team in Buffalo for the other 70 yards? Like, that's special. There's okay. very few people that can do that. So that I, I am one that's maybe different, that error on that kind of guy, the Debo Samuels, the Jamar Chases of the world over the Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, awesome. Don't Don't get me wrong. But I look at with Kansas City, too, and go, I don't, again, it hurts them, but I don't go, oh, well, they're no longer, you know, a legit Super Bowl contender. I don't think that. Green Bay, without Devontae Adams, I do have that thought a little bit because they were so centric around just the Rodgers-Devontae Adams connection. But, you know, pressure, I, um, that's a really good question. First off, Tua has pressure on him now, for sure. You got no excuses. The O-line's good. You got the weapons. You got the offensive coordinator. They're going all in on you. There's nothing we can say here that you don't really have to be successful. He's one guy I look at to be up there in that category. I do think Rodgers is up there in that category. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the guys that jump off to me uh, more than more than others right now. Okay. Uh, assess Tua. He's going into his third year here. Yeah. It still feels yeah. like they're not sure what they have. Right. You know, I, I think this is a double down move to go, wait, wait, we're gonna make it work, or you know, or we've given you everything to try to make it work and it didn't look that good this year. Maybe you're not the guy. I think that's kinda like brings it all to a pinnacle here to go, all right, he's either the guy or he's gonna prove himself that he's not the guy with this type of weaponry. Uh, not a huge arm. You know that. We know that. Everybody knows that, right? But still you know, good athlete, has good feel for the game. You know, he is good in the pocket. He's got some different deliveries. You know, coming out of Alabama, everybody was like, hey, he's like a point guard, right? I, I, I would agree with that. You know, he makes a lot of great passes. He doesn't make a lot of great throws. You know, throws are what I look at 20-yard out route. You know, in the hole down the sideline, 30-yard gain. That's not what he is. But I think with Mike McDaniel, the offense, they're going to run there, right? It's going to be the Shanahan zone scheme. Oh, wait, it's Waddle going this way. Oh, they faked it to him. Oh, no, they're throwing to Tyree Kill in the slant round the second level like we see Debo Samuel. He's got two Debo Samuels in his offense basically now. 
So he's got that. And then I think Tua, with the movement, the bootlegs, pretty quick release, good short ball thrower, that's where it fits him. And I think that's the formula they're going to try to replicate down there. See, I think Waddle is really the key to this. Because I hear you. You know, I got a, a rookie contract. I got a guy you can you, you can have him right. on every down catching balls. Tyreek Hill is more of hey, we need a big play. Where Waddle is the guy who's going to have a hundred grabs. It feels like. Yes, I, I would agree. Waddle is unique and you know really really fast. You know, maybe just a little you know, not as fast as Tyreek, but it, it's real fast. But he's also a very good underneath route runner too. You know, he can do that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type of stuff as well. That's where it is unique. And, you know, again, it, it, there's two guys that put tremendous stress on a defense because of their ability to make big plays from anywhere. Throw a screen to them. These guys can go 70 yards down the sideline. You couple that, Dan, with the offense itself, Gasecki at tight end. Oh, my gosh. And then, hey, they're making some nice moves at running back with Chase Edmonds and Mostert and company. I look at it and go, man, Miami, we know the defense was good, and now the the offense is rounded into the shape here. That's one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. I know that uh, I always respect your opinions when it comes to quarterbacks going into the draft, and uh, I'm prefacing that because I saw where the number one quarterback, according to Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk, is Matt Corral. Right. Ole Miss quarterback, yeah. Matt Corral. Right. All right. The floor yeah. is yours. Okay. Uh, you know, again, this is uh, a guy that's got – I knew he was talented. I turned it on. I guess I was a little bit more blown away by his talent than I thought. You know, first thing, I'll just hit you with this banner statement. He has three things that he does at an elite level to me that like the NFL is going to look at and go, damn, that's, that's special. First off, his arm is extremely strong. I mean, it's like crazy strong to where you go, man, did he really throw that ball 25 yards out route and it was like five five feet off the ground the whole way there? Like you had to almost rewind it to go, wait, did that really do that the whole way there? So big time arm, quickest release in the draft, quickest release I've seen in any draft since I've gotten into this side of the business, Dan, that, I would say that. And then as an athlete, quickness in his feet is elite and as good as anybody I've ever seen. His ability to pop around the pocket, you know, get his feet situated and make a throw is phenomenal. Oh, fake a little RPO, boom, hit the feet, get the ball out of his hands. It's as quick as anybody I've ever seen. It's up there with the Rodgers and Mahomes and being able to flick it and do all of that. So I really like him. I do. I think he's a good athlete. He throws the ball on the run. Play action pass is the thing in the NFL right now. He thrives on that. He hasn't put it all together yet, but it's all going in the right direction. I think you couple that with the skills I see in the field. I go, yeah, he's the first quarterback for me. Okay. Is he a top 10 pick? I, I, you know, again, I'm different here, but I sit here and you know what I want to say, Dan? I mean, if two was the number five pick, then yes, Matt Corral is a top 10 top, you know, pick that way. But you know, again, the off the field stuff goes into that. You know, you hear rumors. He was a little bit of a wild college kid. Okay. Whoopity do. I don't care about all that crap. I'm just going about what I see on the field here. Uh, but I, I do think his talent warrants that now, you know, is he, 
polished and ready to go this second. No, you'd have to, you know, use him in special ways and slowly bring him along. But I That's don't think anybody got... is polished. You know, Willis no, isn't. No. Pickett isn't. Uh... Pickett, Pickett's a little more than the rest. He's the safest bet, I would say. Like, you know, he's the closest to a what you would want to say, like the Mac Jones last year. He's been in a pro-style offense. You get to see a lot of that. He can really play the position well, Dan. Everything is good. There's nothing he does great to me. There's, there's his, his grade is just that he really knows how to play the position and has a lot of experience. He can make all the throws. He's a good athlete. He's got good size. I don't watch Kenny Pickett ever and go, wow. Oh, wow, he does that. Oh, my gosh, I love that. I don't ever say that. But Corral and... And Willis, I do say that. And I would say, yes, I think Corral and Willis, their ceiling is mm. higher than somebody like Kenny Pickett. All right. I have great respect yeah. for your opinions there. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Even though, you know, you guys think Jim Harbaugh could beat me up. Other than that, you guys are cool with me. You think you could beat up Harbaugh? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Of course, I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it. I mean, yes, yes. Right. <laughs> How about, you know, like Jake Paul is always trying to get guys to fight on his card there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You, Sims, I don't know about that. <laughs> Jake Paul can box. He's going to take no, no, me down. No, no, no. You, <laughs> no, you'd be on the card, the undercard. Oh, yeah. Hey, money's right. Let's get it done. Let's get it going. I'm ready for it. I mean, it seems like Jake Paul's doing all this stuff and these guys are getting paid. I'm down for that. Okay, let's do it. But you think <laughs> then I could get your dad to fight Harbaugh's dad. <laughs> well, that I, that's one where I got a lot of respect for Mr. Harbaugh there, but he, he <laughs> might be a little too old for Big Phil at this point. <laughs> yeah, so you would take Harbaugh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Don't start that again. I'm just having fun. All right. <laughs> Are you? No, I'm kind of not. No, I'm not. <laughs> just reminding you guys what side you took if that ever happened. I, I would take Harbaugh. I would take Harbaugh. I know you would. I, I'm afraid of Harbaugh. I, I didn't. I was supposed to sign, you know, fill out the NCAA bracket yeah. right, for you guys yeah. in the show. And and I, I meant to in all, in all, I really did. I got a little busy last week. I had to travel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then I, yeah. no, no joke. I honestly thought about, oh, they think Harbaugh can take me. Screw their bracket. I'm not oh, doing it. That's Okay. I felt good. It, it, that's how I justified it in my brain. <laughs> we we didn't lose. I mean, I, okay. Adam Sandler yeah. wasn't too busy. Will Ferrell wasn't too busy. Uh, yeah, because they're sitting on piles e of hundred million dollars. They don't gotta Musk, work anymore. Elon Musk wasn't <laughs> oh, too yeah, busy. Another, oh yeah, another guy. He's busy tweeting all day. J -Lo? I want to fix. I want my new Tesla. It's taking forever. It's a year and a half. Stop tweeting, Elon Musk. Get to work and get me my damn car. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Dan. That's Chris you Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. He loves Matt Corral. My number one quarterback in this year's draft, insane athlete, nobody with quicker feet, as quicker releases I have seen in a few years. Arm strength is phenomenal. I wish he had actually let it go a little more. He just has to put it all together. That's a tweet from Chris Sims. Sims has a good history of assessing these quarterbacks. But I don't like when you give me those opinions from a pro day. I want to I have a scout's opinion. And my source, who's a scout, I always say, you know, what are you basing this on? And he says, I'm not interested in pro day. I'm interested in game day. Like, what do you do during a game? That's why when people go, Teddy Bridgewater had a bad pro day. I said, did you watch him play? Like, he, 
He's pretty good in games. Lamar Jackson, I don't know. Did you watch him play? Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mo, the bartender on The Simpsons, there's always somebody calling and then Mo will, they always punk him. Because they're asking for somebody if they're in the bar. And then he's always yelling, uh, is there an alcoholic? <laughs> alcoholic. Ivana Mandicus. <laughs> hey, everybody, Ivana Mandicus. Here's a couple more. Uh, Oliver Closeoff. Oliver Closeoff. <laughs> Jock. Strap. They, you know, they just keep going. Jim Shorts. Yep. Oh, Mo. Mike Roch, as you can <laughs> say it faster. Uh, Hugh Jass. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, of course, Amanda Hug and Kiss. Ivana Tinkle was another one. Uh, the Banks family. You know the Banks family, uh, but maybe you don't know the Banks family. This is from executive producer Will Smith in Westbrook Studios. Bel Air is streaming now on Peacock. New episodes every Thursday. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up. The Michigan Wolverines play Villanova later on tonight, Sweet 16. We had uh, Chris Weber on yesterday, and we were talking about Michigan's run. I looked at his bracket, and then uh, I realized he didn't pick Michigan, his alma mater, to win the national championship. We spoke to Juwan Howard after the uh, show yesterday, and we recorded an interview. And I started out by asking him, did he know that uh, Chris Weber did not pick them to win the championship? No, I do not. Share that with me, please. Houston. Oh, it's a good team. Impressive. Yeah, but great coach. You had him in the locker room. He's given a pep talk to your team, and he didn't even pick you guys to win the national championship. Well, I mean, I'm sure Chris is not the first person that did not pick us. <laughs> he will not be the only person that does not pick us. <laughs> did you pick Michigan to win the national championship at the start of the tournament? I will tell you this. I trust with our staff and players since July 1st that we'll be prepared for this moment. But if I told you a month ago, that you would be in this situation, getting ready to take on Villanova. Realistically, what would you have said? We are for competitors only. We're looking forward to the matchup. And so now we're here today, and we are for competitors only, and we're looking forward to this exciting game on Thursday. It's going to be a very competitive game on Thursday. I mean, they're a great team, well-coached, Hall of Fame coach and Jeff Jay Wright. Uh, won two national championships. And by the way, one of those games was against Michigan. So um, they broke our hearts, man. How do you – do you have your pep talk ready? Uh, no, I do not. It's, you know, when you have a pep talk, you speak from the heart. And I, I've always, like, whenever there's a coach to try to give a pep talk and he started looking at a paper or uh, he, he started, like, you know, it just flows just naturally, like, um, you can tell he practiced that. Pep talk's got to come from the heart. It's got to feel through the moment of passion. 
Do you remember a particular pep talk that you got? In college? Yeah. You speaking of? Yeah. I'm too old, man. I got too much great hair. <laughs> I can't recall. <laughs> Did you ever get a pep talk in the NBA? Did a coach ever give pep talks? Oh, yeah. They give I think that's what I'm, you know, speaking at, like some of those pep talks in the NBA from some coaches, and I'm not naming, but you can tell which ones were, you know, authentic and real and, you know, the ones that was just, um, let's just get through the season, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it feels like you've had, I guess, a roller coaster ride this year. How would you describe this, uh, this season? Well, this season for all schools has been you know, dealt with diversity. Uh, we dealt with diversity through first starting with injuries. Secondly, we had uh, you know, guys, key guys that missed games because of COVID. Um, we also dealt with diversity through my suspension. Um, and now we're here. And that's just been a test of character throughout our group. On, uh, you know, We always talk about when we're a Michigan family and, you know, and when family go through things, you know, Families sometimes can either grow apart or get stronger. I, this family has uh, truly have been together and gotten stronger. What did you do when you were suspended? Well, for me, I did a lot of reflecting on how I can improve as a person, as a player. I'm sorry, excuse me, not a player, as a coach. Uh, sometimes you still think yourself as a player because you played in so many uh, high-pressure games, competitive games and pressure moments. But, and then... With that, you know, I did counseling where, and we'll continue to keep going through counseling once the season is over on how I can help grow this team and how I can be a better leader. And that's, I think, you know, during that time, I've learned a lot, uh, grew, and I've gotten stronger while doing it during that uh, five game uh, um, absence. But did you recognize that guy when you, like that yourself, when you watched the, the video of that? against the Wisconsin? Well, reflecting back on that situation, it was a tough moment. Uh, it was a very painful moment. Um, and looking, you know, and, and now getting back to that situation, I never want to go back to a moment like that ever again. And I grew from it. And uh, and, and with that, um, you know, I apologize for it. And now it's time to move on. Well, sometimes somebody needs a slap and somebody needs a hug, though, Jawan. <laughs> I need a hug, man. Can you give me a hug? Okay, when you when you go up to the Tennessee kid, I mean, when did you know that he needed a hug after that loss? Well, you know, Kennedy, you know, very competitive young man, super talented. And as we're shaking, you know, all the players' hands and coaches, um, you know, I noticed where he, he had a cheerful moment. And you know, that was a time as as a father, also as a coach. Uh, I felt he needed me, and uh, I embraced him, try to give him some words of encouragement, encouragement, and then just at the end of the day, just console him. And uh, I'm sure my my kids gonna have a moment like that someday, and uh, it'll be nice for a coach to do the same for them too. Well, we talked to Chris Weber about the timeout that he called against North Carolina. And, and, you know, in the huddle, and, you know, he's he's emotional. I mean, those are teaching moments. He says, I'm, he goes, I'm still teaching people about it, and I'm the one that went through it. I mean, that you got to witness that firsthand. Yes. Uh, you know, that was, you know, a, a very painful moment for the team, but also it was more painful for Chris 
and you know, I never forget we're in you know, the press conference and you know, Chris was blaming himself on our team's loss. And, you know, I, I had to interrupt him during that moment and let him know that, you know, as a team, I would win together. And as a team, we lose together. And I, there was never, you know, a time where I thought that that loss was, you know, Chris's loss. You know, and, and he was the, you know, the reason why we lost that ball game. Um, and it was nice to know that, you know, he has grown from it. Um, he's also has helped others, uh, just like how he helped Kennedy during that, that time. It just shows his level of, of where his heart is and also his level of maturity. I think it was great you had him in the locker room because I thank you. I think he loved it. I mean, I, I think it I think it hit him pretty hard. Well, you know, uh, that was the first time Chris has been back to a basketball game. Uh, and and then to have your brother, the guy who I've been in the trenches with, uh, the guy who I've uh, a young teenager uh, at the University of Michigan. And uh, we experienced, experienced a lot of you know, fun moments uh, and a lot of teachable moments. And we also have grown together as brothers uh, and we've, we're family for a lifetime. And to have one of your brothers in a locker room to support, uh, not just me, you know, cause it wasn't about me. It was about the players and the staff and, um, and to leave, you know, his family to be present. Uh, I thought that was a very special moment. Ray Jackson calls him the black unicorn. <laughs> no, he called him the, the black leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he says that he never leaves the house, that, you know, you never see him. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ray is classic, man. You know, like only Ray can say something like that uh, to Chris and, and get away with it. <laughs> uh, you will advance if what? We take care of the basketball. We defend without fouling. Um, we we don't get bored with the little things that does not show up on a box score, uh, getting up on shot fakes, uh, blocking out when they're they're sprinting in for offensive rebounds because, you know, Elizabeth talked about their shooting and about, you know, how well they shoot the ball from the free throw line. But being a team that is tough and well-coached as Villanova, they do an excellent job of getting second-shot opportunities, so we're going to have to box out and limit them to one-shot opportunities. Could you give me five minutes? Like, could you play five minutes? I can give you five minutes, half court. Oh, so you wouldn't even you wouldn't run down the other end. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't run down the other end. I'll, then I prefer to be on the offensive side. Of, the ball. of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, hey, congrats so far. Good luck against Villanova, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be watching. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. That's Jawan Howard tonight. It'll be Michigan, Villanova, Arkansas, Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Duke, Houston, and Arizona. Looking at the point spreads here. Thanks to DraftKings. Um, Arkansas is, I think, around a nine-point underdog against Gonzaga. Man, it just feels like Arkansas can beat Gonzaga. Musselman can coach. And Zaga feel the Zags feel a little bit vulnerable. But then you always have one of those games that the team that eventually wins a championship or goes to the title game, that they had that game where they could have gotten knocked off early. Houston and Arizona, that feels like that's a one-point game. One way or another, Texas Tech Duke feels like a one-point game one way or another. Michigan Villanova, you know, this is where Jay Wright has, you know, they're just magic dust that he sprinkles out there. That feels like those players are all interchangeable. 
Colin Gillespie is a really good player. Probably the one name that you know from that team. But it comes down to coaches here when you think about it. We're, we're talking about these coaches. Um, you got uh, Samson with Houston. And he's got a track record of being a really good coach, tournament coach there. Um, you know, Mark Few, is this the year? Coach K, is this the last game? So, and, and Duke is big business for March Madness. Just want to say, you look at the ratings, Duke is big business. They get about, a, they, I think they had 11 million watching them play Michigan State. Not that March Madness and CBS and TBS would want to influence anybody to make sure Duke continued to uh, move on, but it is a TV show. Duke is big business there, uh, but Duke is going to have its hands full with Texas Tech. That's one of those it feels like first team to 70 is going to win that game. Good action, though, coming up tonight. Some more phone calls. Uh, Dale in Indiana. Hi, Dale. What's on your mind today? 59180. Yeah, I wanted to give a suggestion for Todd's lame Rick mock headlines. Mm. And this comes from the Paul, Paul Papp collection okay. of suggestions. It's from a band called Human Beings. Goes something like this. No, 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 That's awesome, Dale. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't sure where that bit was going. Yeah. I think I think Dale's saying no 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 to your limerick. That's what it sounds like to me. No no. That's pretty funny. Though. You know what? Why don't we, Marvin, why don't we clip that? So when, when Todd has his Lamerick for tomorrow, we could play that. Dale, oh, no. Dale right now is the leader in the clubhouse with that one. I'll stop your moping back there. He understood the assignment best. Yes, he did. For sure. It yeah. was clever. I'll give him that. Yeah. It was clever. It was very good. We're Thanks. busy looking at rhymes and everything like yes. that. He went off the board no, a little no. bit. Yeah. No, 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 no. Nobody can do. Yeah, I like Headlines, it. Headlines, like Todd Prince. Nobody can. Derek in Iowa joins us. Hi, Derek. What's on your mind today? Hey, guys. I got a uh, mock headline tune for you. Are there any, any Bob Seger fans in the house? Uh, yes, absolutely. Turn the page. Uh, All right. Silver Bullet Band. Yeah. Here we go. Like a mock. <laughs> I was strong as I can be. Like a mock. Nothing ever got to me like a mock. I was something to see like a mock. There you guys go. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. America. <laughs> I just love what people are doing when they get ready, you know, in their car. Or they're, they're, they're sitting at their office uh, in their cubicle. They're at home with their wife. Oh, hold on, hold on. I got a I gotta, I gotta mock, mock song here. Shh, shh, shh. shh. I got a mock hand. Really, really important. Uh, Sean in Oregon is back. What, Todd? You hear the boss in the back of Jody. Got those figures. We got the meeting. <laughs> like, uh, like, what are you doing? You're singing to it. What are you doing? No, that's when your boss is saying, hey, uh, Dale, you got that? No, 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 no. Wait, what'd you say to me? No, 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 no. Hi, Sean. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. I, I put about a, a one minute of thought into this, and then I, I, I thought uh, – uh, you know, Michael Jackson's got a song. It goes, uh, I want to mock with you all night. 
Mask Mock with you. You like that one? Yeah. Uh, Fritzy was bopping to it. Yeah. Anytime you go Michael Jackson in there, that works. Paulie used to roller skate to that. Hell yeah. yeah. Donna Parisi, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> I never went to those skating rinks. No? No. What? When you were in that 7th, 8th grade years, that was the easiest way to get physically close to a girl. Yeah. Who normally wouldn't get physically close to you. Yeah. But you wanted to, you know, couples. Well, we had dances. We'd have high school dances where you you they'd clear out the cafeteria, the tables, and then you got to... Uh, you know, have music played in there. You want a ton. Yeah, but they had like the disco ball and the lights and everything. Roller Palace, Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn, and just cruising around, going in circles with the disco ball and the, the Saturday Night Fever kind of floor. It was awesome. How I didn't even you... know how to roller skate, but I just thought it was very cool. How did you do? Because I, I held would... on to the little bar and I had, the grill... <laughs> I had a grilled cheese sandwich in one hand. They had good grilled cheese at the little snack bar, and I held on to dear life with the other hand. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager, won a World Series as a player with the Red Sox and as the Dodgers manager and former National League manager of the year. Joining us from spring training. Dave, good to have you back on. How did uh, the sort of uh, abbreviated spring training affect your approach on how you're going to get everybody ready? You know, uh, DP, it was, uh, it was different. It was a frenzy. Uh, there was a lot of trust that had to be kind of uh, accounted for because we couldn't talk to the players and we just had to hope that they were going to be ready, um, starting pitchers in particular. And so once we get there, it's kind of an overall conversation, assessment, and see where guys are at. But uh, with our guys to a man, it's been really good. And, uh, you know, whether it's Clayton or uh, Walker, you know, guys are putting their work built up. And uh, it, it's been good. But obviously, and we'll get to Freddie later, but I know that, you know, Freddie uh, just kind of getting him, his feet wet. So he's a, kind of a late arrival to camp. But guys like that. But right now we're kind of on track. How are you told that the Dodgers are signing Freddie Freeman? So I, I kind of joke, uh, DP, that it was kind of the worst kept secret in all of baseball. That, and I say that in a sense that it's something that I think everyone wanted, and uh, we we were involved in trying to make it work. And then, uh, you know, once that Olson trade went down. Um, I was with Andrew, and we were going over, over our roster and some other baseball ops guys uh, upstairs. Uh, it's kind of about maybe 10 o'clock at night, and so we finalized the deal that night. So Andrew and I uh, called Freddie together and congratulated him, and uh, I know he was thrilled. And just to get him in that Dodge uniform, man, uh, it's pretty special. Didn't he show up in a suit holding his baseball glove? <laughs> yes, he did. So the funny thing is that he had a suit. He had some, like, suede boots or some shoes on. So this is the Bobby Cox uh, pedigree, man. It's, uh, you know, your 
tight, classy, and all dressed up. So I think it was JT and some other guys that gave him a lot of grief. <laughs> and uh, he was laughing. He goes, okay, I'm going to fit in just fine here in this ball in this, uh, with this organization. I was wondering about Clayton Kershaw when I saw the deal. It felt like it was a team-friendly deal, and it was a one-year deal. And it feels like this might be year-to-year with Clayton, or am I reading too much into this? I, I, I think that it's uh, it's fair as far as a year-to-year situation. Uh, I think right now he's uh, in a position where uh, he can dictate where he wants to play, and obviously he, he uh, he's a Dodger for life, uh, a Dodger legend. Um, but Texas is home, and so that's been kind of made public. But right now we're, we're he's a Dodger for for this year. We'll see what happens next year, um, and I and I think that there's some uh, incentives in there. Um, but uh, obviously the player. Clayton uh, liked the deal, and, and there's something to be said for being a Dodger. So you could see him. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could end his career as a Texas Ranger. You know what? With Clayton, I, I, I don't want to speak for him, DP, but I could see that that's a possibility, but uh, that's up to uh, him and Allen, so, and I don't, I don't know that answer. Did you go to football games this past year? I did. I went to uh, my first uh, – uh, Rams game, and, and uh, so I saw that NFC uh, championship game, and then I, I actually had a chance to go to the Super Bowl as well. So, uh, pretty remarkable uh, stadium and crazy vibe. It was awesome. Well, I know you're a football guy. You've talked about that before. Uh, you know, you, do you look, <laughs> do you look out there and go, how could I possibly think that I would want to play that sport professionally? Oh, absolutely. That was the best decision I made is to get off the gridiron and, <laughs> and get on the baseball diamond. I had a chance to meet uh, Adamic and Sue uh, a couple years ago at Dodger Stadium, and I just see this guy knowing that he out, he, he's got me by probably 150 pounds, and he can outrun me. So <laughs> that's what you're dealing with in the NFL, man. It's crazy. Are you up on all the rule changes? No, you want to fill me in? <laughs> no, I, I, I have a cheat sheet that's helping me a little bit, and then I know there's a Shohei Otani rule that's in there, and that seems to be a lot going on. How do you, uh, how do you keep all of this sorted out? You know what? I got a bench coach, Bob Garrett. He's the, he's the rules guy, Danny, and, and I have no idea. Man, it seems like they change all the time, and there's going to be something that's going to be implemented here in about a week or maybe April 6th, uh, the day before opening day. I don't know. I, I just uh, I got enough on my plate to worry about these. Uh, until it's cemented, uh, I really don't pay too much attention. Do you think that we're going to see more players try to do what Shohei Otani's doing? Um, no, because I don't think that they can. Um, I, I think in theory, I think every player wishes they can be Shohei Otani, but uh, there's a reason why he's But maybe 10 years from now, though, Dave, that you, you, you're almost preparing for it. Usually your best player is a pitcher and a shortstop. And so I don't know if we would see a 12-year-old go, I plan on pitching and hitting, you know, and playing the field in, uh, in the majors. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's fair. I, I guess that's fair because I think that right now uh, – you look at a little bit of a broader look um, as far as travel ball and where now I, I when I play, there's no such thing as a, as a PO and a PO, I guess, is a pitcher only. And so, mm. you know, when I came up, when you came up, we kind of pitch play the best player is certainly going to pitch at some point. So uh, certainly Shohei uh, is uh, 
is a is a mate is a superstar is a face one of the faces of Major League Baseball. So yeah, people might try to emulate. Uh, so yeah, if you look ten years down the road, potentially uh, might give players some more runway to do that, which would be great. Um, but man, that Shohei is really special. He's Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager, joining us, Dan Patrick Show. You hit twenty three home runs. Is that right in your career? <laughs> I, hey, but you forgot the one postseason homer. So let's let's uh, for the sake of this discussion, I had twenty four major league homers. Okay, all right. <laughs> and so two inside the Parkers, you you averaged two point four home runs per year. You you're, I, you had problems with your launch angle, didn't you, Dave? I, I absolutely. It was more negative launch angle, so that's just not good. So it just certainly affected my war. I'm sure. And you hit eight home runs in two thousand five. Were you were you juicing back then? There were a lot of questions about that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I wasn't. I just uh, I was ahead of uh, the analytics thing oh. and the launch angle. Oh. So um, yeah. So I think my angle was maybe like twenty one degrees that year. So yeah, I, I clipped a few. Best pitcher you hit a home run off of? Kurt Schilling. <laughs> And I bet you that's remember that's the at bat. So I'll bet you remember the at bat. It was at uh, the old Bob Bank One Ballpark. Okay. And uh, it was a three-run homer, and uh, he threw me a uh, he threw me a three-one heater, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Do you ever bring up any of these things to you know now that you're not playing anymore? But do you when you run into somebody? Would, like if you saw Schilling, would he know? that you knew that you took him deep? Uh, so Schilling definitely knows. We've talked about it in the past. I got another good one for you, right. DP. So I was in double-A in Jacksonville playing for the Jacksonville Suns, and this was 1998. So John Smoltz was on rehab with the Braves. He comes down and pitches for the uh, the Greenville Braves playing. We were hosting. And so first inning, I hit a homer off John Smoltz. So that's the biggest one I've ever hit, but it wasn't a big league homer. So the funny thing is that after the game, I had uh, John Smoltz sign the ball. Oh. I still have it to this day, and I bring it up to him uh, maybe every other time I see him, and uh, he, he's not too thrilled about it. Yeah, you normally don't get a baseball signed. It'd be like if you picked off Tom Brady and you said, Tom, would you autograph this? I can't imagine. Can you imagine if you homered off Randy Johnson and you said, hey, Randy, would you be willing to sign this? You know the next time you, you got up what? to the plate. I, I hear you, but I've already – so the thing is that I bet that does happen with Brady. And I, I need you to dig on that. And the other part of it is that I didn't get the chance to hit the homer off Randy because he drilled me in the ribs anyway. So, um, yeah, so I got the, the, the uh, repercussion of getting hit by Randy. I guess I could have had him sign that ball. What did it feel like? I still feel it. Um, it was a it was ninety seven two seamer, and uh, it was opening day maybe two thousand three. I tried a bunt, oh. um, and then the ball went foul. And Juan Pierre always told me, he said, "Hey man, if you try to bunt off Randy, he's like the Nolan Ryan guy. Where if you bunt, you better make it fair because if you don't, the next one's going <laughs> to be in your ribs." And I swear, Danny, it was like <laughs> I, he's up there with this big black glove right under his eyes. And you got that visual. And I think it was, I swear it was like the Top Gun radar lock right on my ribs. And I can just sense it. <laughs> and then it was this heat-seeking 97 two-seamer just running right into my ribs. So 
it, it like I said, man, it 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 hurt pretty uh, pretty bad. But I stayed in the game. Why is that okay in baseball? I, I think it's okay because Randy's Randy. Um, Nolan's Nolan, Roger was Roger, and I think Pedro's pitch. I think part of it is like the fear of the baseball for the pitcher is everything. And so guys are kind of uh, Barry Bonds up with the big old elbow guards, and they got the protection all over the place. And, you know, that's still gamesmanship. I, I still believe that you got to be able to control uh, pitching inside, commanding it. But I think at times, you know, to get hit once in a while, it, it's part of the game. The Dodgers will win the World Series if we play a full season and there is a postseason. Wait. We are winning the World Series in 2022. So but I know where you're going with that. No, what We're are you winning the World Series this year? Put it on record. You are winning the World Series. We are winning the World Series. That's our focus. That's our goal. Um, but to your question, we are winning the World Series if if um, our starting staff stays healthy. I know that's vague, but I don't want to. And then that's, I, the that's my answer. Okay, but you're you, are, you can dig in a little bit on that, but I, I I think it's about our starting pitching. You know, just keeping our guys healthy. Okay, where do you rank your rotation in baseball? Our rotation in baseball, I, I put us, I put us somewhere in the, uh, I put us somewhere in the top ten. Okay, who has the best rotation in baseball? I would say, um, and I would say right now for me, I think the Mets do. What makes Degrom so special? Um, the velocity, uh, the command, the glove side command of his fastball, uh, his ability to pitch up in the zone. Um, there's a, there's a breaking ball in there. There's a change up in there. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a great throw. It's just hard to pick up from what I hear. Um, but I think that glove side command coming in on left-handers up and in that quadrant up and away to the right-hander, it's just tough to tough to barrel up. You see the best pitcher in the game? If you look at sheer kind of uh, numbers, I would say it's hard to debate. Yeah. Um, but the body of work that our guy, Walker Bueller, uh, should be in that conversation. So you're guaranteeing that you're going to win the World Series this year? I'm putting it on. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it in the universe. Well, you should believe in your team. I mean, if you said, "Well," you absolutely should, right? I mean, it's yeah, nothing like you're. Right. You know, we're we're placing a bet, and you could lose a limb if you don't win the World Series. That's right. That's right. And I'm but not rooting against you, it. or I, you know, I would bet you just for content's sake on the show. But I mean, I don't know. Like, we could bet wine, but, you know, I love your wine. I don't have any wine, so you... Yeah, I, I need to. I, I, I went to uh, dinner with our buddy Ted, so uh, we got to get you some more some more uh, wine. So Ted's my guy. He's your guy, and uh, we need to do a little uh, wine deal. So we got to replenish uh, your wine stash. I am the uh, Jacob de Grom of wine drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
I love that. That's just letting you know. Just letting you know. I could That's be right. Kershaw year to year because at my age I am, you know, day to day. But, uh, yeah. I. By, by the way, just so – and Dave won't bring this up, but I'm bringing it up. His, uh, his red stitch Pinot, 93 points from uh, Wine Spectator. It's it's great. Did you oh give did, did you give your players your wine? So I've got some. I've got a few cases en route. So uh, once we break here, we get to Dodger Stadium. I, I'm going to take care of my guys. So uh, we got a lot of wine drinkers, which uh, is just interesting because when I came up, there was all about the beer, and so we got a lot of wine drinkers. So I got I got to share some of my red stitch. Absolutely. And you couldn't do that with the old Red Sox because they would drink that prior to the game, probably. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Hey, but but Danny, you got to have something to calm the nerves, man. So it wasn't wine in 2004, but uh, whatever we drank, it, it worked, right? Was it whiskey? It was whiskey. Yeah. Do you remember the brand of whiskey? Hey, it, I, I don't. I don't. Um, but I do know that you know when it's like. 37 degrees and it's freezing and you're in Fenway Park, your back's against the wall. Um, whatever, Everything's on the table. Hey, if I was facing Mariano Rivera, I'd probably drink too. Oh, absolutely. Kevin Millar had it right. He was, he was a man way ahead of his time. Hey, uh, great to talk to you as always. And uh, thanks for joining us. All right, hopefully DP. we'll talk soon. All right, DP, take care. You're the best. That's Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager. And a great wine. It's called uh, Red Stitch. Had it uh, a couple of bottles of Red Stitch. Red Stitch, the st- stitches on the baseball. Oh. You see what I did with that? Well, that's what he did with them.